0: ABC
1: Grandstand. You're listening to ABC Grandstand's Hens FC. Hens FC. On ABC local radio. Yes, hello and welcome to Hens FC. Shannon Byrne in the chair for Debbie Spillane for the next month as she heads off to cover the Commonwealth Games and uh, for everyone throughout ACT. A little background on Hens FC. It is where we have a women's sports panel for the next hour talking about, uh, well... Sport, But uh, probably a lot of topics that have happened during the week, some talking points from the weekend and more importantly what uh, our next panellists have been covering or watching over the last uh, week or say month for some of them. They've been away for a while. We can uh, welcome our panellists today and uh, joining us uh, from ABC is Amanda Shalala. Amanda Shannon. Well, it's been a while. Why, where have you been around this magnificent world of ours?
2: I've been partying in the one and only place you would want to be over the past few <laughs> weeks, Brazil, for the World Cup. You
1: lucky person. Now, we're going to talk a bit more about uh, that experience. That's why I wanted you to join us today because I know that you've had a great time and yeah. we'll find out how many Socceroos matches you've seen or if you've uh, maybe taken on a new team from the World <laughs> Cup. Also joining us is Lindsay Clement-Mean from the AFL New South Wales ACT, Lindsay, Uh, welcome, welcome, how are we on, uh, well, as I look out the window, I haven't been out for a while, how is it outside in uh, Sydney at the moment?
3: Look, it's not great. I think we're going to have a very grey and miserable time tonight at the Giants, but we'll, we'll survive. And how are you enjoying this indoor experience?
1: Yeah, look, it's great. It's warm. (laughs) It's dry. (laughs) I noticed you don't have a jacket on. It's just one layer. It's very warm.
3: It's very different to how we we normally see each other.
1: It's very warm. And yes, we will see you tonight out on the boundary for the Giants and Geelong. And our third guest panellist today is Melinda Farrell. You would have seen her a lot over ABC News 24 at the moment, probably all over the weekend sport. Uh, Melinda, welcome. And Thank I guess, you. first of all, thanks for joining us. Is this a weekend off for you?
4: <laughs> it should be, but that's you awesome. know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've
4: been doing a few seven. We'll see. Because Amanda Shalala, who has the best name in sport, by the way. Thank you. Uh, Better than Cooper Cronk. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> because, because I don't want to dance when I hear Cooper Cronk's all name, right. but I want to dance and sing when I hear yours. No, nice. Because she's been swanning around. I've had to do a few extra bulletins. She's been swanning <laughs> off over in Brazil. So... Yeah. I'm sorry, Mel. Yeah, yeah. And I've really discovered that she is an absolute gun. She is a gun. I, you would not believe what this chick does. I'm kind of a water pistol. No, <laughs> not at in all. In comparison. You've been all... Yeah, awesome like oh, yeah. a, a Nerf gun or something. Well, I, I either make people really annoyed or I make them laugh, I think. <laughs> but she, she packs a punch. So it's been really good fun being in news Well,
1: for all our listeners throughout New South Wales or ACT, they're either going to be annoyed or probably <laughs> humoured by you today then, Mel. Thank you for that. But you did mention that, uh, yeah, Amanda Shalala, you... You have been uh, gallivanting, we'll say, because you have had the uh, luxury of going to watch the World Cup live. What, what was it like for you yeah, over in Brazil? for
2: a holiday, not working for a change. And it was absolutely phenomenal. There's a reason why it is billed as the biggest sporting event in the world. And I, I've been to a, a few Olympics and I think it does eclipse the Olympics in terms of the atmosphere, the passion, and because you really get to follow teams throughout four weeks and I just felt this great sense of the world coming together. You would walk around and everyone's wearing their jersey from wherever they may be. And it didn't matter if their team got knocked out or there were so many. There were I saw people with Indian jerseys, Canadians, teams that weren't even in the World Cup. But that just signifies the power of football. So I got to see a couple of the Socceroos games, the game against the Netherlands, which is just probably the highlight for me from a very patriotic point of view, because that was such an amazing performance, really full of heart. And I saw them play Spain and I ended up seeing Costa Rica play three times, which was not the plan, but I got these random tickets in the FIFA ballot and it turned out they made it to the round of 16 and they made it to the quarterfinals and I have a new favorite player, Keylor Navas. He's the goalkeeper for Costa Rica and he was this machine. He saved 91% of shots and he had the most shots at him throughout the tournament, and now he's being picked up by Real Madrid. So you love those stories where there's someone you haven't heard of before a tournament, and then they end up getting picked up by one of the biggest clubs in the world. Well,
1: for my mind, the goalkeepers out of the World Cup, I spoke about them a lot. You know, Tim Howard, a world record save of 16 in one of his matches. Um, You know, Romero, uh, I guess in Netherlands, you know, switching um, uh, goalkeepers when they're about to go to the penalty shootout, turned out to be a genius stroke. The goalkeepers, for my mind, was a great talking point.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. Manuel Neuer as well from Germany. He's, you know, an unconventional uh, goalkeeper compared to the other ones coming out of the box a lot. But he succeeded every single time virtually. And he's absolutely world class. And uh, yeah, the Mexican keeper Ochoa, that game he played particularly against Brazil. He was just all over the place. So we always talk, talk about Neymar and Messi and Rodriguez. And yes, they are awesome. But it's good to give the goalies a bit of a wrap. I think think kind
4: of what struck me in in watching a lot of the games was, and and I'm not, you know, a regular football watcher, but certainly for me, the games, even the low scoring games were so exciting. There was a lot of really attacking football played, but that's when when it came in. There were also so many, uh, so much amazing defence from so many of those keepers. And some of those games, the amount of chances was, and shots on target was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, consistently, there were very few games that, that would that dull, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. even the
2: of drawers, I, yeah. I wouldn't say, because I saw a couple of them, I wouldn't even say they were dull, because no. they definitely weren't. It was end-to-end football most of the time, and there were nations that really rose to the challenge, like Algeria had an outstanding yeah. tournament, pushed Germany all the way in the round of 16, the USA as well, really almost got the job done against Belgium, so I think it's a really positive sign that football is starting to even out, and Brazil, it might have those five stars, but I think there are other teams that will catch up in the future, but Germany, congratulations to Germany. I think they were the best team all tournament and definitely deserved to win. And Cruz got picked up as well too, didn't he? Yesterday yeah, that's right. At the back of that. Yeah, think. Real Madrid. Yeah. So there's been some uh, some big movement and I'm sure more to come as well.
1: Well, just a, a side note, my f- uh, mum and dad are travelling through Europe for three months and they've now done the most amazing uh, sporting event pop-ups. They were there where there was a stage, I think three of the Tour de France. Oh, oh, they nice. didn't realise it was uh, <laughs> coming through London. Uh, and then I get sent photos of them, my mum standing on a light post and the Germany... Uh, <laughs> (laughs) Are in the bus behind her and they're in Berlin and they walk out into the street, follow the crowd and now see Germany coming down on a bus with the World Cup and I am just shaking my head going, this is one of... Well, and they were in Netherlands when uh, they actually played um, in the, the – I just, I just, yeah, I just shake my head and think, oh, my goodness, my parents are just stumbling <laughs> across brilliant. these most that's amazing lame. events and they just think now that their three months has been the best two ever. <laughs> it's all by accident. <laughs> uh,
3: well, that's all right, Shan. Some of us have to stay and home and going to have <laughs> yeah. boring times. Exactly. Watching on telly. Now,
1: Lindsay and Mel, um, you guys I know are cricket fans. Have you been uh, closely watching an interesting cricket match uh, which, well, England have been involved in so many talking points from that
3: oh, yeah. we never stop watching cricket in our household it's quite nice mm. and, but although there are some times of the year where it's just cricket all the time all night all day
4: it's a little bit overwhelming my but fr- I'm liking to see it. I'm liking it back on again it's yeah my, my flatmate did come out the other the other night and say do you know what time it is like, yes, <laughs> it's cricket time <laughs> it's always cricket time it's yeah. been really interesting and uh, certainly, the the spat that that has emerged with Jimmy. tell us
1: about it. for those that uh, maybe not quite across it because it is on uh, odd hours of the morning, but it is yeah. making the media. But just tell it us a recap
4: is. on that. Well, after after the uh, in the last test, in the first test, there was an incident at the end of the day. No, unfortunately, it wasn't on camera, but um, Jadeja and Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson walking up, and it's apparently a fairly tight. So it's very tight that so there was perhaps a little bit of jostling, a few things said, but out of it, India ended up turning around and uh, making a complaint and James Anderson has to answer, but it's a grade three. Now, there hasn't been a grade three in international cricket since the very infamous harbinger Jan Singh. It's, and, it's uh, pretty serious, yeah, isn't it? And I was Simons. surprised
3: that it reached that It, that it is, level, yeah. but then in,
4: in return, the, the England camp has, has made a similar complaint, complaint a, a grade two charge against Jadeja. So uh, it, the result of that is yet to be heard. I think it's next week. Um, and if Jimmy Anderson's done, I think he it might not be next week. It might be the week after, but I think he'll miss the last two tests because um, I think you miss four tests for a grade three. It, it's pretty. It's very. It's very serious. serious. Isn't it? mm. And what's really interesting about it is this is the first thing that's come out since the big three: England, Australia, and India. Basically, you know, restructuring the ICC and those three of got into bed together and are all pally pally and then this coming along well, that hasn't quite mm. translated down past mm. the bureaucracy perhaps a- and neither and it shouldn't either like, like if there's genuine yeah. complaints between yeah. the teams you know if something was said we don't know anything really too much about it yet mm. but it's, it's just really interesting because the whole cricket world internationally is in a state of flux and we 're not quite sure what this is actually going to mean so it 's interesting to see that that there's a there 's a fair amount of venom in this test uh, in this test series certainly but england england 's troubles uh, have not it's- abated it's-
3: it's absolutely fascinating watching them under pressure like this. It's it's amazing. And You're Alistair loving Cook. it. I'm loving it. I'm <laughs> loving it.
4: <laughs> I've got a British passport, see, so I, I sometimes flip. And, yeah, I, I, right, I think Alistair Cook think will be gone soon. Yeah, Captain.
3: I I feel sorry for him, to be honest. I, I just It's always sad to see. Mm. Not, I'm not saying he's going to end his career, but it's always sad to see someone's, you know, being well liked amongst the sporting community, and then suddenly fall out of favour, and then nothing's going right for him. He can't perform on the field. He's not well liked off the field. And
2: yeah, I think he's a- been one of the the great captains of recent times. And I know he has copped a lot of flack, but I still have a lot of respect for Alistair To cook, whatever way he might go out, he should still be remembered as a very good batsman and a good captain. Well, too. well he's only twenty nine. Yeah, so he's he's going through. He's got a time. Yeah, he's got
4: what is it twenty six tests now that, that he hasn't scored more than twenty. Oh, he hasn't scored a century or yeah. whatever it is. Mm. It's been a long time, um, and his captaincy's been criticised a lot on the field. And you know, they're just—it's such a shambles. They got rid of Kevin Peterson to basically back Alistair Cook. Mm, that was yeah. a big one over summer, wasn't it? Yeah, and he hasn't—it hasn't worked. So he's under enormous pressure. And if they lose this test, remembering that India haven't won a test uh, away from home in a long time. So if they win, then I've you know, the pressure on him is just going to... magnify.
1: And just quickly on that uh, the second test in London uh, England are currently 6 for 219. they trailed by 76 after India's first innings of 295 and really their um, tail wagged a bit, didn't they India?
4: Yeah,
3: it
1: happened every game.
3: surprisingly good for them. I was surprised they reached that much really but I mean balance has come in and he's got another century so I mean there are some pretty solid performers so it's relatively evenly poised at this stage I would say. It's amazing
4: to think that Ashton and Agar last year got that uh, that Amazing score at the end, and the tail enders have done it each time. They had two, they broke the record twice, I think it was, in the first test for a 10th wicket partnership. But I would like to point out today, in three weeks' time, I fly to the UK, and within about three hours of landing, I think I'll be having a pint at Old Trafford.
1: Nice. (laughs) Oh, Lindsay, we will talk off air about what we're going to do. See you on the sideline at the SCG. Yes, could you bring down a sausage roll or at least a hot coffee or something? That would brighten up my day. Now, ladies, uh, last night it was two games to open round 19 of the NRL and uh, it's a really special weekend in the NRL because it's uh, the Rise for Alex weekend which we're all wearing our wristbands which you can uh, purchase and donate money at uh, NRL matches and uh, we really are behind uh, ABC Grandstand are behind this great cause. The NRL are donating a dollar to every fan that walks through the gate over every NRL match this weekend. There were two games last night. Uh, quickly, if you've just joined us on ABC Grandstand for Hens FC. Uh, the results, North Queensland first win uh, their away game win for the season 2014. 36 points to 18 win over the Sharks in Cronulla and the South Sydney Rabbitohs defeated the Eels 32 to 12. And Look, it was a really... Uh, Special night to be out at Parramatta Stadium last night. Very emotional. Um, not only did uh, the two players, in the the two teams in the tunnel, sort of a bit like when you see in the World Cup, the two teams are squashed in next to each other, stand sort of side by side. It's not done in the NRL. Each team comes out one at a time. They stood side by side. They had uh, little junior players holding hands of uh, the big rugby league players. They walked out together, then formed two lines, and every single player had uh, the raise Rise for Alex band on, and then all at once they popped their – it was all on their right hand. They put their right hand up and uh, – so their uh, right hand actually went on their heart and all showed uh, their support with uh, the the um, the uh, wristbands, and then after that formed a group and uh, we held a minute silence as well for uh, flight MH17. So it was a very emotional, special night to be involved in the NRL. Just your thoughts on this rise for Alex weekend, Amanda? I might start with you um, in terms of, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about it now and the NRL are actually have a whole round dedicated to young Alex McKinnon.
2: Yeah, well, it just illustrates the power of sport when people come together for a common cause. And this is done for a variety of causes, whether it be uh, raising awareness for domestic violence, for cancer. And this is something that has hit very close to the heart of NRL fans and the NRL community. So I completely 100% applaud it because Alex, his career has been cut short at 22. He might have earned you know, a fairly substantial amount over the next you know, 10 years or so. So he needs that money to actually be able to survive initially and to pay all those medical bills. So these are the basic things he needs before he can even think about getting a job and earning a regular paycheck like everyone else. I just think we should remember those other players who do get very serious injuries, who might not get the same uh, time in the spotlight. Mm. Let's say that, like Simon Dwyer. Who played for the Wests Tigers and he uh, injured his shoulder a few years ago? He's still quite severely damaged. He can't lift his arm all the way. He can't hold small things. And he's uh, working for the Tigers, but on a pretty small paycheck and sh- yeah, you know, struggling. Daniela Tuiaki is another one. So we, we have to remember those and maybe. I know the men of league does an excellent job in supporting, but possibly channeling a bit more emphasis into that, into players who have had their careers cut short early due to injuries suffered in the game. I
3: think you're right. If perhaps it was a broader awareness campaign or fundraising effort for perhaps, you know, a pool of money that all of these players could access, and obviously Alex McKinnon is extremely worthy and it's a fantastic cause, but you're right. I think, you know, sometimes the public imagination is captured by one singular cause and it, it would be a real blow to those other players and, you know, across a lot of other sports uh, not to have the, the similar amount of support. But, I mean, having said that, it's been great to see on social media this week that um, lots of players from other codes have got behind this. So yeah. um, Tim kale has um, been Instagramming and, and tweeting and Kieran Jack from the Swans and it's great. I think it's a really nice broader community of support, which is fantastic to see.
4: Even Warney was uh, doing that this oh, morning. Shane Warnie loves a tweet. Uh, I very much agree, yes. Uh, I agree with both of you as well. And Andrew Webster is writing about this in Fairfax very cautiously about, and not just um, professional players who've had this kind of really serious injury, but there, there have been cases, you've, you know, maybe a young child who who's had a similar kind of injury and and have perhaps lost the use of of his legs so there is that and maybe hopefully this might shine a spotlight a spotlight and make people more aware as as amanda said you know the men of league do do a great job um and there is insurance for players and everything else but even when you go out to say bush footy and a lot of those clubs that just struggle to make the bare insurance payments there's there's so much going on in our sport with with Head injuries and and serious injuries. Mm. I, we're we're reaching, I think, um, one of the most uh, difficult and key phases of contact sports in general. And uh, cases like this highlighter. I was actually at that game, just in the crowd watching. It really, what really struck me about that is when it happened. I didn't realise quite how serious it was. I was sort of sitting back, thinking, "Oh yeah, that didn't look that that bad," because I'm used to seeing. Bad yeah, tackles yeah, that yeah. don't have a bad effect. What's happened now, and I, I see people do this, is it's changed a lot of things because um, for some reason, this case, I, you know, saw, um, saw David Williams when he broke his neck. I remember that. I remember when Ben Ross did it as well, and they came back from it. But something about this one now. Whenever people are watching rugby league games and there's an upended player and they go down, you see
1: people... Hold your breath.
4: (gasps) You really see Mm. people do that more than any other time. So that's had a big effect, I think.
1: Now, guys, talking about big effects, uh, Mel, the the one person that uh, we heard from during the week just to find how much it affected him was uh, the coach of the Newcastle Knights, Wayne Bennett. And uh, we've got some audio here of uh, him talking to Channel 9 and uh, just some of the reports through the week of uh, how this was reported of uh, Wayne Bennett speaking about that moment and uh, also young Alex McKinnon talking as well.
5: For the first time, Alex McKinnon has spoken about the moment that changed his life forever. The 22-year-old still has
0: vivid memories of the incident earlier this season that left him with serious spinal injuries.
5: The main thing that stuck with me is just laying there. Um, I couldn't move. I couldn't even move my right arm. I think one of the boys came over and took my mouth guard out. Um, most of this all comes back. You know, I've watched the replay maybe a couple of times, but yeah, I probably couldn't watch it again. I remember the feeling. I just, I just wanted to get off the field. I, didn't, I, I was sick of people looking. I just feel people looking at me. Wayne Bennett has had a close relationship with Alex, dating back to their days of the Dragons. He couldn't hold back his emotions
0: when revisiting the morning after the tragic incident.
6: But I know I've got to be there next morning with Alex's parents coming in, and I know they can't not be there. I don't want to be there um, because I don't want to have to go through it, but I know i really, got to. So um, they arrive and. Um, it was a really emotional time not, not. again I held it together and I, I didn't, you know I just knew I couldn't be emotional um, because they were and I understand it will be so and...
4: You're the coach and I know how much you love the boys that play for you and they're your responsibility
6: did you feel
3: any of that? that...
6: Absolutely, I feel it every day still do won't go away, I don't want to go away Why not? Well it's are your, are your players. It's just the way it is. It's not in the coaching manuals, but that's what you feel.
3: You never contemplated walking away from coaching?
6: That's a great question you ask me. Um, I wasn't interested in football for a couple of weeks. I didn't really care whether you won or lost. I didn't really... Um, cared about the players, but I didn't really care whether we won or lost. I mean, football was still important to me, but it wasn't that important. It was more important. As soon as I got inside,
5: Corbin Sims was there waiting for me, so I, was, I spoke to him and um, it was a really weird feeling. I felt really calm and I was just... I don't know, ever since it happened, I've been so content with the situation. I don't know why and I don't know... Yeah, I don't know why, but
6: I just... I've just dealt with it I suppose. It's enough football so I didn't really go back to the replay, I didn't I didn't want to look at it. I was sitting at, so far away from the action, I had no control over it, so I was trying to convince myself that he was going to be okay. We'd just get on without him for the rest of the game and he'd be right next week. That was my mindset. Walked in the medical room, I knew we had a problem. That was the first part, I knew we had a problem. He was pretty emotional by that stage, Alex. Um, and he was emotional because he felt he'd let me down, come off the field, and I reassured him that wasn't the case. Uh, Paul Harrigan was in the room, um, and he's shaking his head. He's saying it's not good. He's telling me it's not good without verbally saying it. Paramedic had just come in. Uh, an ambulance had just arrived. I was in he was off to hospital. He was still apologizing to me for not being able to play. By this stage, Paul Harrigan's down at his feet. And I'm touching his arms and his legs or his chest and I'm asking, can you feel that? And he says, yeah, I can feel you there, coach. I know you're there. And, and Paul's down and he's tickling his toes and running run his fingers over his feet. And and uh, I said, can you feel anything in your feet? Or do you know Paul's tickling your feet? He said, I don't know. No, he said, I can't feel anything.
1: And that is uh, Wayne Bennett and young Alex McKinnon there. And uh, a lot of that uh, was the interview from uh, Channel 9 on uh, Thursday night with uh, Aaron Molan and uh, one of the probably uh, most moving interviews I've seen uh, just uh, around the subject, but also uh, Wayne Bennett and uh, young, brave Alex McKinnon. Uh, I guess, guys, when you, you hear stuff like that, uh, what first pops into your mind that stands out about that, Mel?
4: It's it's the humanisation. I always sort of say people kind of forget that that players are, are human. They because and they're coaches out coaches too and coaches. It's amazing exactly. hearing Wayne Bennett speak like that. And he that. Yeah. yeah, and and he's always been such a a caretaker of his players very much very strong mentor of of some of those young guys that he's brought through and and for me like the, the story about Corbin Sims and how how much Corbin Sims was affected by it, I think that's I think so many players have looked at this and it's really uh, struck them i was even thinking you know it's funny how you suddenly feel vulnerable And for those guys, they don't feel vulnerable. They just, they get out there and they put their bodies on the line all the time.
3: But I guess also that they they need to be like that. I think you need to have an element of that to play professional contact sport, Yeah, which
4: is good or bad, it it is there. But it's also a thing of being young and feeling Mm. like nothing's going to happen to you. Yeah, you're fearless. And uh, I just think it's, probably that affected his teammates. I mean, Alex McKinnon himself, you, you just cannot comprehend. He was saying being content with the situation, the way he's dealt with it has... Uh, every time you see him, he's, he's way, smiling. And oh, he's incredible.
2: And he's a beautiful, beautiful man. And um, it's, you know, the story of him... Wanting to walk his fiancé down the aisle, things like that are really, they're things we can all relate to, as you said, Mel, because we idolise these footballers so much and we think they're superstars, they're in this whole other world, but they're not. They're just like you and I and they're just as vulnerable and things like this can happen to them.
1: And I think some of our superstars too are really highlighting it over the weekend. Last night we saw um, Jonathan Thurston wear, jumper 16, I, the two fullbacks in the match I was at with Paramount Eels and the Rabbitohs, Jared Hayne. Boyd Corner, I think. Greg is, Inglis. Um, yeah, so all, all of them, every match has someone. Um, but, um, you know, the two fullbacks last night then posed with 16 on their back. And, um, yeah, it just, uh, I think with some of the big superstars, it just does show the vulnerability of the sport they play. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, one of the most uh, amazing chats I've ever, I've, I've ever seen with a, a play, about a player and a coach so uh, congratulations to Channel 9 on that as well but uh, as you mentioned there is so many great fundraisers this weekend guys we've got the uh, wristbands on for Rise for Alex uh, the uh, Sydney uh, SCG Trust and SFS will donate a dollar for every fan attending the match that's on top of the NRL donating a dollar that's the Roosters game this afternoon against the Penrith Panthers um, yeah Amy Park for the uh, Melbourne Storm and uh, Canberra Raiders will also donate a dollar um, um, an auction will be held to raise funds for uh, the, uh, I think the jersey's been worn by the Auckland Warriors. They're playing the Broncos at Lang Park tonight. So every game has a great talking point. And um, the interesting thing, as you pointed out, I think, Lindsay, is that every club, every player, but every sports person really across Australia, um, you know, anyone uh, who did see Thursday night, you know, there was surfers. It was pretty much anyone. They, they, it comes, I think, flashing back the risks of what sport they're all playing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's right. And it's, well, it's a rea- reality check for everyone, really. We think uh, they're invincible. We think athletes are invincible. They, we criticize them so often. A lot of them do stupid things, but, you know, 90% of them are good guys just trying to make a living out of something that they've got a natural talent with.
1: And, guys, uh, just quickly, some information coming through. There is a tribute to Simon uh, Dwyer. As we were just uh, mentioning, uh, the Young West Tigers, Uh, there is a Men of League support dinner coming up here at West Campbelltown uh, Friday the 1st of August. You can jump on to menofleague.com, and uh, there is all the news there about uh, the Simon Dwyer fundraising event coming up well we might uh, change tact uh, a bit ladies it's uh yeah a very emotional heavy subject which will be spoken about a lot through grandstand over the weekend but next we're going to meet uh, a champion female aussie rules player not only just a player but also we'll find out just how her career in coaching is heading
0: abc grandstand cricket
6: Hi, this is Dan Lonigan. Join Peter Newlands and I every week on Cow Corner, a cricket show with a difference. We look at all the big issues in cricket, at home and abroad. We speak to all the stars, all the stakeholders and quirky characters that make our game so great. Done a lot of bowling now. Is it sound at this stage of the season? Yeah, no complaints, which is good, so touch wood. Cow Corner on ABC Grandstand Digital and online at abc.net.au slash grandstand.
2: This is ABC Grandstands,
0: Hens FC.
1: And thanks for your company right across New South Wales and ACT, Hens FC, where it is our women's only sports panel chat. And we will be with you right through until the two o'clock news. Amanda Shalala from ABC is in the studio, as is Lindsay Clement-Mean from New South Wales AFL-ACT. And also Melinda Farrell, who's been uh, on board ABC News 24 for the next month. And we'll find out what her adventures are in... uh, Well, she's uh, heading off... She's told us she'll be heading off for a beer in about three weeks at Old Trafford's. But we'll find out... For then, oh right, yeah, but
0: we, 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 <laughs> so a it's a, a long way to go, go for a warm
1: beer. <laughs> so you're not doing dry July. That's fair enough. <laughs> well, we'll find out about uh, well not your antics up until then because we could be here. We've only got 25 minutes. Um, a very, limited range. <laughs> very limited time, fans FC. Um, but we will now turn our attention to uh, women's Aussie rules. And joining us uh, on the line is Melinda Highland and uh, people throughout New South Wales and ACT in. Uh, women's football would know a little bit about melinda but we're going to uh, be introduced to uh, the wonderful things that uh, she has achieved what she will achieve in the next month and what she's currently up to melinda first of all thank you so much for joining us on hens fc Uh, where do we find you on this uh, chilly winters saturday morning
0: Uh, at the moment i'm on the side of the highway i've just played some footy in canberra and i'm heading up to sydney ah did you the
1: Riverina line did you play belconnen this morning
0: I did play Bill Conham,
1: yes. And how did you go? Unfortunately, we got beaten pretty convincingly today. What was it? Should I ask the score or not really?
0: (laughs) 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 Probably don't want to know, but it was six goals, six, 42 to one behind. Pretty tough day in the office. Yeah, no doubt. Was it chilly in uh, Canberra? Um, It wasn't too bad, actually. The sun was out, which is a nice change. We've played up the last three weeks out of the the month and it's been raining, so it's nice to play some dry footy.
3: Well, it's uh, it's going to be a good weekend of footy up here. You've got your uh, charges on the SCG tomorrow, I hear. Um, as yeah, that's your, right. Your, your current role you're playing. Um, sorry, you're coaching the under 16s New South Wales schoolgirls team. Yeah, that's
0: right. And tomorrow we're taking on the ACT, so it to be a good way to start the carnival.
3: And now I was out there with you yesterday at Team Photos and they look to be a pretty impressive bunch of girls. Now, some of them have played in the Nationals, Youth Girls Nationals earlier this year in Canberra where you were assistant coaching, I believe.
0: Yeah, that's right. That was the under-18s competition. Um, and we've got four or five of those that are still eligible for the 16. So they're playing this week. So some handy little players there to look out for if you can make it to the SUG.
2: Mel, it's Amanda Shalala here. Can you just give us some insight into how many girls there are playing at the junior level and and if it's becoming more popular you've seen over the past few years?
0: Yeah, I I don't have all the statistics here. Maybe um, Lindsay might be able to help us out with that. But, um, yeah, over the last, say, 10 years or so, you've seen a real growth in um, junior footy particularly and with the girls. We now have uh, competitions around the state for um, youth girls so between the ages of 13 and 18, and we have a whole heap of OzKick um, centres, and some of those are only um, all-girls OzKick centres. So there's plenty of girls running around now, and hopefully it means they can feed into our open women's competitions, and some of us all-girls can look at retiring.
3: Uh, I think you've got a few more games ahead of you, Mel. She's going to be our next Brent Harvey. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm thinking you're going to be our next
0: Brent Harvey. No, but...
3: Um no, Mel's right. Actually, youth girls is one of our, our key growth areas actually across the state and also nationally. But I think in the last two years, we've started three new leagues. So it's, it's really fantastic to see so many girls getting involved and um, having a good time with footy.
4: Yeah, Melinda, it's it's Melinda. Nice, <laughs> nice first name, by the way. It's Melinda Farrell here. I, I'm just <laughs> wondering what, what it is that, uh, that, that, got you interested in playing football like how old were you and what was it about the sport that made you want to play it and could you were there enough girls around for you to play all girls sides or did you have to play with boys
0: um unfortunately i didn't get the chance to play when i was um at school i went to a catholic school and they were pretty strict on what sports we could play and there wasn't really any competitions around at that stage so i didn't actually start playing until i went to uni and being keen, I moved into the city from out of um, the western suburbs in Sydney and I went to Sydney University and they had a big orientation week there and I signed up for all kinds of things. But Footy was the one that grabbed my attention and it's the one that yeah, I ended up sticking with. So that's how I started playing there. There were, at that stage, um, four teams that were established and they were established by some, a group of people who worked for the Sydney um, Olympics Organising Committee, called. And they set up four teams there and um, yeah, we started a league at the start of 2000 and today is actually um, the heritage match is being played and it is celebrating 15 years since the actual the first match of the Sydney Women's League was played back in 2000.
1: Wow, so you're 15 years into your career because uh, when I have a look at your stats, Mel, what will you achieve over probably the next month having played for Sydney Uni, um, New South Wales, the River Arena Lions and ACT?
0: Um, I'm hoping to be the first player to play 300 um, games of footy. Wow. Um, first female player in the state, but we'll see how we go. Well, fingers Still crossed. Still a couple of games off yet.
1: Yeah, wow. That, that would be a huge achievement in any standards. Uh, when you look at the standard, though, of uh, the school sports under 16, New South Wales side you, uh, you have, um, what's your chances of, of beating some of the powerhouse, uh, I guess, states like Victoria and South Australia?
0: Uh, look, I think it's going to be pretty tough. We... As you know, the competitions in New South Wales haven't been going for as long as some of those ones in, say, Victoria or WA is also very strong. Um, so we're just going to give it a red hot crack. We'll see how we go. Um, some of our players are really impressive and they've got plenty of great skills and they've spent the last uh, week or so in a camp um, down in Aubrey, so had plenty of time for a bit of bonding. So, yeah, we'll just see how we go tomorrow. Take one game at a time. Looking at the
2: coaching point of view, we saw earlier this year Peter Searle appointed to St Kilda. How encouraging is that for you as a female coach and do you see more women stepping up into full-time roles like that at AFL clubs?
0: Yeah, not only Peter, but there's also a whole heap of women that were involved in the draft game, so actually being appointed by um, the Melbourne Footy Club and the Western Bulldogs. Fantastic. And now we kind of have, a as well as a playing pathway, there's also a coaching pathway. So you can coach... At your local junior club, you can coach uh, regional teams, you can coach state teams. And now, of course, there's people being appointed to um, AFL teams, so plenty of opportunities out there um, for women to take part in.
4: Would you like to take up one of those opportunities? Is that something now with the experience you've got in coaching this side, would you like to go on and, and do it at a professional level, either in the women's game or in, or in the men's game?
0: Uh, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with my time. I think probably as my playing career starts to wind down, I'd really like to focus on um, developing um, regional footy. At the moment, um, there's only one team in so- uh, southern New South Wales. So I'd really like to see kind of development there. And if I can pick up a coaching role down there, first of all, that would be great. And if I can still continue coaching some of these um, state on the on the side, that would be fantastic as well.
3: Well, I think now that you've coached uh, the youth girls and the school girls, you could probably take on anything in footy. These girls, are they're pretty feisty and they're pretty impressive on the field. They definitely don't hold back. There's no fear there. I was absolutely gobsmacked watching them earlier in the year in Canberra. So, yeah, good yeah. luck. I
1: hope you guys um, have a great week. Yeah, thank you. It should be great and looking forward to being sunny Sydney. Well, Mel, I'll just have to say that uh, I've been taking note, uh, you're going to make a great coach down the future. Uh, You did say at one stage, one game at a time. (laughs) Um, That that stood out for me as a great coach's quote. Don't worry, I can
3: work on that. We'll get some more. (laughs) Game of four quarters, 110%. Yeah, please,
1: please don't watch any of Mick Malthouse's press conferences at the moment. Um, He's not being Yeah, it's a pretty interesting one last night, actually. And they won. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, very interesting times indeed. Uh, so, just how busy is your weekend? You're, you're driving home. That is, uh, we just want to put into perspective too what it's about a three-hour drive Sydney to Canberra. You've come from uh, Wagga Wagga as well. This is a very big road trip. Do you know how much you'll uh, travel over the weekend and how many games you've got?
0: Oh, look, I don't know. It's I've been Thursday. I went from Wagga to Sydney, and then I came back from Sydney to Canberra yesterday, and then I'm heading back to Sydney now. But the travel is something that's pretty familiar, playing with the River and Alliance. We travel six hundred ks to play anyway, so yeah, yeah it's going to be I'm imagine driving from the middle of Sydney out to Blacktown where we're playing in a couple of days. that'll probably rack up the Ks, but yeah, it's not something that's unfamiliar.
1: Well, it is a phenomenal effort you do, and not only for, uh, I guess, the future of your coaching career, but also, yes, for the Riverina Lions and uh, starting 15 years ago with Sydney Uni. It's uh, an amazing journey. Uh, Melinda, we really appreciate your time. We better let you get back on the road and head back to Sydney because you've got a uh, busy schedule coming up as uh, coach of the New South Wales under-16 schoolgirls here in Sydney. Uh, Safe travel, more importantly, on the road, and thanks for your time.
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, Just before I go, I'm just wondering if we can just have a quick mention about the New South Wales under-16 girls. At the moment, that program is not set to be continued um, because it's not actually a fully sanctioned team um, under the CHS, the school sport um, organisation, so... If we can get any players and parents who are eligible to be playing in that competition who have an interest in the program actually continuing, if they can just write to their regional sports office and let their regional sports officers know that this is available to them, that would be fantastic. Yeah, Hopefully available. we can get it up and yeah, make it a ongoing thing.
1: All right, Mel. They're available and important, as you said. Thank you so much for your time and best of luck for your tournament coming up. Yeah, thanks, Shannon. OK. And that's uh, Melinda Hyland there. And, uh, well... Ladies, what an amazing thing. She could become the first female throughout New South Wales, and I would imagine ACT, to play 300 games. What a milestone.
3: That's and huge. actually, Mel played in, the, in that very first game um, in the Sydney women's competition. 15 so, years ago, wow. Yeah.
1: It is a She's pretty a real important trai- thing. trailblazer. Well, talking women's football, we're going to go now to men's football because it's been pretty busy in the world of AFL. And I just want you to have a quick listen here about... Uh, just how many years of experience that we've been lost in the world of AFL during the week.
5: There comes a point in time in every player's career that um, you have to move on and and I just want to announce at the end of this season I'll be retiring. Uh, I want to thank the St Kilda Football Club for everything that they've done for me over the last 16 years. They've been a massive part of my life.
0: So towards centre wing, Lenny Hayes tries
5: to keep it... Oh! Down goes Lenny Hayes, but he picks himself up. He's a tough cookie, this youngster. Sometimes in football and in life it doesn't go your way, but I think it's how you respond from that and, and how you react. And the best feeling in football is you know, when you run down the race and you can look next to the guy beside you, in front of you, behind you, and you, you know what you're going to get from them.
6: Goes Savage brilliant. Still going, Savage. Wonderful awareness, and again Hayes open goal. They deserve that great pressure, and then the veteran puts it through. Slid it to Hayes. What a magnificent step from Lenny. You know,
5: players move on, people move on, and that's just the way it is.
0: Example, because he trains as hard on
6: the track as he plays in games. He oh. Goes in that direction, and like a rocket going. Maxwell, great right, chase, he's shown tremendous courage throughout the day as well. The guy that really has got the most out of himself over his career. Gilmore, quick hand, Mundy, now Jeff Farmer, going to be run
5: down for a guy. Great work from Nick Maxwell. We've seen so much of this,
6: Blake Nimble to Rook, he's Whoa. been brought down a second time, they buried him. That is a magnificent tackle. Done with feeling.
3: Collingwood defender Nick Maxwell is set to call time on his career. The 2010 Premiership skipper has endured a long run of injuries and reports are emerging his season is over after yet another setback, this time injuring his ankle against the
2: Bombers on Sunday.
5: Thank you for everything. Um, I've loved the last 12 years. Uh, you all mean so much to me. Um, probably just one message I want to send you is take control of your destiny, whatever it is. Um, don't blame anyone else or anything else. Everything you want, to, you want to achieve and you want to do as a player, you've just got to take it and do it yourself. It was a battle, um, but I loved the battles. Uh, and I loved having to prove people wrong. And I loved um, having to fight against the odds, not only individually, but also when our team and when our clubs um, had our back to, back against the walls. I think that that's when we're at our strongest and that's probably why it's uh, more disappointing to be ending right now the way I am because um, right now our club, there is a little bit of that at the moment with our footy team and where we're at. I'd, be, I'd love to dig in for the fight and get my hands dirty and do it with them but I can't. Um, but I have full belief in the playing group that we've got right now.
6: Well obviously we're, um, we're here today to pay some, some respect to uh, one of the greats of our football club one that I've only had a, a small amount of time with but one I can say truly has given his whole uh, self to the football club uh, Dom from the time I got here was all about the team and uh, again with his decision today you can just tell that Dom Cassisi right to the end is all about the football club and what's best for our football club. I spoke to the boys this morning and uh, I'm just really struggling to get up for the games in terms of my body um, I uh, you know, I had a chat to Kenny pretty on, early on in the year and we knew it was going to be my last year and um, spoke about um, you know, trying to keep my body going for the, for the rest of the year and I've just really battled with it, just going the game sore still from training. I just haven't got enough in, in, in my legs anymore
0: to perform at my best um, at this level.
5: Two of the AFL's most popular veterans have committed to going round for another year. It means North Melbourne's Brent Harvey is set to pass the magical 400-game milestone in 2015. Harvey, who turned 36 in May, remains in stellar form. The last four contracts, I walk into Brad's office, make sure that he thinks I'm still contributing to the football club
1: and I can contribute next year as well. And as soon as he gives me the thumbs up, um, that's, that's my signal that as long as my body and mind's fine, that I can I can keep going.
5: If he reaches that 400 game mark, he'll be just the third player to do so. At 32, Bulldog Robert Murphy has also signed a one-year deal. He says the retirements of Lenny Hayes and Nick Maxwell didn't make him think twice. No, no not really. No, I mean, there's, there's a few of my generation who have sort of wound it up, um, which you know, just gets you thinking about about footy in time. But uh, personally, no, I, I, feel, I feel good. I'm really um, optimistic about where we're headed. I think I've still got something to offer. Murphy says he's inspired by the Bulldogs' up-and-coming talent.
1: And that was just a little montage of uh, three big names in the world of AFL retiring this week. One's effective immediately, one's after their final game tomorrow and one at the end of the season. And then it finished off with uh, two big names. One's going around for his 20th AFL season next year in Brent Harvey. Still has it, played last night in the losing side, but uh, has been one of the best for the Kangaroos. And also uh, Robert Murphy, who is of uh, really that era of Lenny Hayes and uh, um, also Nick's Ma- Nick's, Nick Maxwell and uh, yeah, he uh, did say that uh, he did think about it twice with all them retiring, whether he uh, was making the right decision or not. Lindsay, who stands out for you? Uh, who will you most miss running around the football field?
3: I think well, I don't think I'm alone in saying this, but I think Lenny Hayes. He um, He's a, a wonderful New South Wales product. He played all his footy in um, Pennant Hills alongside Mark McVeigh and um, of course followed him from that club were Um, the Jack brothers and then obviously um, Jared McVeigh. But he really, I I think he stands out as being one of the most respected players currently running around. Just a great bloke, great player and a great club man. And of course the famous story that always gets trotted out is that um, the Swans picked Jude Bolton before they picked him. But I think both are just Equally well respected, well, yeah. I there's feel. some yeah. names that have that yeah. when they
1: compare them, you know, they picked a different person. They never went to great heights. So if you're yeah. in the same ilk as Jude Bolton, I've just quickly did my maths. Hope they were right. Uh, 44 years of AFL experience with three guys retiring. Was uh, it's a, look? There has been a couple. If you guys can think of any throughout the year, but you know, this was a big week of three big names.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jonathan Brown a few weeks ago. The the most surprising one of this year, I think, was Mitch Clark, who announced his retirement from the Melbourne Demons to deal with mental. health. Issues, So I think when you look at these guys, it's really fortunate that they've been able to have full and long, robust careers. And while, say in the case of Maxwell, it's injury that really is cutting it short, at least he's been able to have a premiership and play for that length of time where others like Clark uh, have their careers cut short for injury or illness or otherwise.
4: Uh, it just struck me working in news in the in the past few weeks. It's like retirement is the new black. It's the it, season. Yeah, for it. you had Emma, yeah, Emma <laughs> Snowsill announcing her retirement. Eamon uh, Sullivan? Yes, Eamon yeah. Sullivan, uh, Liam Fulton from the West Tigers. It was a, every day there mm. was there was another retirement story or, or two retirement stories. So it's just strange it's a strange thing that it seems to all have happened in the space of about two
1: weeks. In this cold weather, it's just getting it's hard. Like to get up. I don't oh, want to get I up and do train. this again. Again. But I guess also, too, when, when it starts early on in the week, um, some would be very well planned in terms of uh, where they do it in their careers, obviously for Eamon coming up with the Commonwealth Games, a lot of people talking about why, why he's not there. So, But for some, yeah, it would be interesting. Like Robert Murphy was probably having discussions going around one more year, but it yeah. would have put doubt in his mind that if all these other mates of that, that sort of uh, <laughs> yeah, it generation, was it is,
3: make, am make I doing the right decision? The twinges feel a little bit stronger when you think, oh, I could be on the couch. Well, oh, Lenny's on the couch. Well, then all the <laughs>
4: talk about Christianity. Judd this week as well, and Mick Malthouse Mm. in a way fueling that by talking about players should retire while they've still got something to give. So it's a bit unfair to put too much speculation on players. But it's also, it makes
3: it really difficult I suppose as a player when you see or hear, you know, players coming back like um, Ricky Ponting saying, oh I should have left earlier. Mm. You think, well you don't want to live
2: with that regret. But I mean it's a very, it's hard to strike a balance I think. I think think you always want to go out with people wanting more. I mean like Philip Lahm, he's another one that today announced his retirement from international football, the German football captain. So I think, you know, some of the greats, Mark Schwartzer, Darren Lockyer, Steve Waugh, you want to go out being remembered as an absolute legend rather than hanging your head and saying, why did you not leave earlier? Yeah,
1: why'd you go around? And I mean, it's it's even just, uh, it doesn't have to be for the remainder of your career because I've been watching closely, uh, a big fan of the Tour de France and every night there has been withdrawals and, uh, you know, retirements They're falling off their bikes, aren't they? Oh. It's been extraordinary, but uh, I mean, even you know, injuries from different falls on different stages. You know, uh, there was a, an American, uh, Talansky, the other day who uh, stopped. It was about 10 minutes that his crew spoke to him and they pushed him back off and he was riding in tears. And oh, it, just, it was just devastating. It was so heart-wrenching to watch because even just saying uh, retiring from an event that was going on meant so much well, what to Well Particularly what about-
3: something like that where actually competing is you know, an achievement in itself. Yeah. What yeah. about
1: Contador riding 15
4: kilometers, oh. most of it uphill yeah. with a broken chin. Uh,
1: oh yeah. I mean, uh, well, oh. but Froome had a broken <sighs> wrist and a broken hand and he hadn't <laughs> even hit the cobblestones. I was quite relieved. Um, and then I did realize that's why he couldn't take his helmet off. And he sat in the back of the car for a very long way with his <laughs> helmet on. But uh, yeah, you know, both hands um, extremely uh, busted up before they knew from scans what had actually gone on. And that was the cobblestone. And he hadn't quite got there, which was very thankful.
4: Yeah. And that harks back to other things we've been talking about today, you know, with, with idolising athletes or, and people then criticising them and thinking they've got this easy life because they just have to go to training a few times a week and sign autographs. And uh, people always say they get paid too much. Uh, they get paid all this money to do that. You that...
2: could not pay me <laughs> No way. No way. That's it. That's why I became a sports journal, because I love it so much, but I have zero commitment or drive to put in that training, to put in all that effort. I know you're an accomplished sportswoman, well, Shannon, but I could n- never, ever. Like. I did wonder, Amanda, I mean, does does that retirement
3: ethos that you were just talking about, does that yeah. apply to broadcasters? Maybe, or? maybe. <laughs> Guys, I'm going out, I'm
4: quitting. <laughs> we, get, we get put out to we pasture. We go out yeah. and yeah. graze yeah. with the
1: cows. Well, there's a lot. We, that, that's another whole hour of Hens FC right there, Melinda Farrell. Um, and, and it's interesting, though, another thing, quickly back to the tour before we move on to uh, what you're looking forward to or you're going to be covering in the next couple of weeks or month. But I... I'm not sure why they haven't uh, maybe got uh, stronger lycra um, in terms of when someone falls yeah. off and slides, the Just gravel right rash, off. Oh. They it just for me. I haven't uh, kind you of Teflon like or, mm, or something. I, I would yeah. never Surely make it science this. has got us to that point. <laughs> Come I'd, on look, science, I'd look yeah. like a Michelin lady <laughs> on a bike because I'd be worried about the crash before it occurred. And uh, I always just think they're so brave. But um, before we uh, head up to the two o'clock news, it's been a, an absolute pleasure. We could go forever, ladies. But yeah. I want to go across uh, the board just to find out what to, you're working on or what you're looking forward to
2: over either the next coming days, weeks, or months. Uh, Amanda, shall I I might start with you. Yeah, next week I'm heading out to see the Wallaroos, the Australian Women's Rugby Union team. They're preparing for the World Cup, which is going to be in France at the beginning of August. They're hoping to improve on their third place finish, uh, which was four years ago. The Kiwis have won the last four, so it's going to be a really tough task. But I'll be catching up with them and seeing how their preparations are going and doing a story for Grandstand TV on ABC News 24.
4: Yeah, that's great. Good plug. Nice
2: plan. <laughs> You've got to work <laughs> it in awesome there.
1: Awesome plan, <laughs> uh, Lindsay. Well, Clement, this
3: might me. be slightly controversial, but I'm really looking forward to the Waratahs next week. I just oh. can't wait. I've been waiting so Heresy. long. As an absolute Waratahs tragic. I've sort of come back to the flock now that they've won. So now that we have <laughs> back that on the and, oh,
1: I'm in. I'm in. And had some good wins as well. Yeah. I was there against Great the Highlanders. Yeah. Um, so just a quick reminder: as the uh, Super Qualifying, uh, the Super Rugby Qualifying Final tonight. ACT Brumbies are hosting the Chiefs at Canberra Stadium. Jim Maxwell will head up the coverage for Seven O Two Sydney, Triple Six Canberra, New South Wales regional stations, and Grandstand Digital. You'll get that throughout Canberra and Sydney. Melinda Farrell. Uh, well, what are you doing in three weeks when you're having not a beer in Australia, but uh, Old Trafford?
0: Uh, well,
4: i going up to Old Trafford. I'll be watching that. I'm also going to be uh, covering the England women's series against uh, against India. India women. They're India playing. It's the first test they will have played in eight years. So uh, they're, then they're playing a, a one-day series of three games and then England's playing South Africa in three T20s. And that they, let me tell you, they get great crowds over there. Last year they sold out at uh, at Chelmsford, at the Essex County ground, 2,000 a day, the first couple of days at the Test at Wormsley, which is the most quintessential English ground you can imagine. It so, sounds delightful. Yeah, yes. Very they, envious. It's really, they market it really well and they get great crowd support over there. So that's great. And this afternoon, just quickly, I am going to be at the Women's Interstate Challenge, so it's like the Women's State of Origin, if you like, rugby league game. Um, So Karen Murphy, talking about legends, she's the Queensland captain retiring. This will be her last game. She played in 1999 the first time, and they've won every game since. So New South Wales looking to break that drought, but no matter which way it goes, great effort for Karen Murphy. And that game's being live-streamed as well. You can find it on the... NRL website, I think, yeah, and you can hear
2: that. Mel commentating on that as well. I'll be on the sideline.
1: Uh,
4: have, have,
1: have you got a thick jacket, a <laughs> beanie, a scarf, and an umbrella?
4: I've got a beanie and a scarf and a not very thick jacket. And <laughs> I really know nice. take some yeah, lessons from. Yeah, uh, look, I'll talk men. to you off air about that. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, and also, we will be previewing that but in about ten minutes' time. Matt Head, uh, the coach of the New South Wales women's side, will join us uh, this afternoon just to preview that game. Before we head up to the ten, o- uh, the two o'clock news. Um, I've been talking this afternoon before Hens FC started about um, the NBA trophy. How good the Giants game's going to be? Well, no, we did touch on that as well, how tough that's going to be against Geelong, but more so about the NBA trophy coming to Australia. It seems everyone was trying to get a photo of it. Uh, It was a great uh, thing to watch where it was travelling around Australia. It's called the Larry O'Brien trophy, which uh, everyone's saying, I've got Larry, Larry's down the road and it was just, got me thinking about um, some other great names of uh, famous sporting trophies. What would you like to meet or hold or get a photo with? Um, Amanda, I I'd like something. to
2: jump in the Davis Cup or the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I like big oh, That's oh, a well, good cups. one. That is yeah. a big
1: one. Yeah. That would be uh, – I admire anyone that can hold up the Stanley <laughs> Cup with uh, both yeah. hands. Uh, what
3: about you, Lindsay? Well, my, my brush with fame, unsurprisingly, is with the AFL Premiership Trophy. But here's a fun fact. It is actually named after someone. It's the William McClelland Trophy. So for all of you who did not know that, I there did not know. there's no. a fun fact for the day.
4: Well, Linda, my, my fun fact for the day, one of the most beautiful trophies that I've ever held is the Rugby League World Cup trophy that was commissioned by a French resistance fighter oh. um, who was the father of the World Cup, Jacques Barrière, and I took it to a rubbish dump where it was oh. found after it went missing <laughs> for many years, for nearly 20 years. It was, what, it, his, his, it was found by a man walking his dog after it went missing out of a hotel he went for a pee and found it, and I took it back to the dump for a shoot. So I sat it <laughs> on a pile of rubbish. Wow, wow. I, I've
1: held uh, the William Webb Ellis Trophy bill, but I don't know if it was – there's so many that go around in some of the big trophies that I'm not sure which one, oh, two, no, three, don't, four don't version. Ruin, don't ruin the magic. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> At the time, the smile didn't care which version <laughs> it was. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me on Hens FC. Amanda Shalala from ABC. Lindsay Clement-Mean from New South Wales, AFL ACT – I've got that – AFL – New South Wales ac right <laughs> sorry, around the wrong way. And Melinda Farrell, great to have you whenever we see you across News 24. Thanks so much for your company, ladies. It's 2 o'clock, it's news time.
4: Are you a member of a sporting club? At
1: the ground level, across
6: the body. Maybe it's your favourite footy club. Any or your local sports club. If you love being a member of a club, then why not become a member of ABC Grandstand
4: on Facebook? Stay up to date with sports results and join in discussions on the latest news from around the sporting world. Plus, view some classic sporting moments
5: posted by the ABC
4: Grandstand team. ABC Grandstand on Facebook. Become a member today.
0: ABC Grandstand Digital.